Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a monthly solutions-oriented talk radio show. Actually, more than monthly nowadays. Each month and week, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education leadership. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. Uh, As usual, we have so many topics that uh, have come up that explored over the years. And today I'm excited to have one of my dear colleagues uh, from Teachers College join me and talk a little bit about executive coaching uh, for some coaching uh, and has, is one of the ways in which it, have, it has been described, but certainly an area that is growing in leaps and bounds. And so today I have with me uh, Dr. Terry Maltbia. Um, Terry joins us to talk about uh, his coaching program uh, at Teachers College, uh, and he has had uh, just great success uh, with training a number of individuals from uh, private industry, government, corporate, uh, public sector, and education, and other areas. Major recognition for this program. Um, Terry himself is the recipient of the um, Academy of Human Resources Development Malcolm Knowles Dissertation of the Year Award. Uh, This program that, that he directs is recognized as number one in coach education um, and so just delighted uh, to be with him today and so I want to introduce to some and welcome uh, Dr. Terrence Malvia. Welcome Terry. Thank you Brian. I'm excited to chat with you. Thank you for yeah, inviting I, me. Well I'm glad to have you. Um, so as I mentioned that and it is no surprise that at least to me that your program has now been recognized uh, as one of the top programs in the world uh, because having gone through it about 10 years ago or so, I, I'm, I'll be just quite transparent and honest to say that before I went through that program, uh, I thought I knew what I was doing. I called myself uh, a coach and, and was helping people and thought I was doing a good job. And I think I was doing a fairly good job, but Boy, did my horizons open to with with getting the, the the expert training and the information to actually know how to help people in executive coaching situations. So before we talk about the specifics of what goes into training, what kind of training individuals need, tell me. I know you came to Teachers College from the corporate sector, and you yes. have been in. Uh, doing corporate training and certainly recognized as a corporate training expert. So uh, tell me, how how did you get to this point where you, when you came in, you are the founder and developer of this. And uh, so going from starting out and doing adult learning and training, uh, leadership training, to founding this, this world-renowned program. 
a couple of things, Brian. Number one, I chuckle when when people tell me we have the number one uh, country program in the world, or at least recognized by Thinkers 50 in that regard, because I wasn't a coach. I wasn't a professional coach. In fact, I didn't really know much about coaching. And the story that you tell about thinking that you knew everything about coaching, I was a consultant prior to coming to Teachers College Columbia, and one of my clients one day on a Friday asked me, oh, by the way, do you do transition coaching? And like most smart consultants, I said, sure. <laughs> and then I ran home and did a Google search on team transition coaching and yeah. uh, found a book on transition coaching and then uh, actually did it. So uh, I actually fell into this is what I, I tell people. So the quick story about how this program came to be, and it's hard to believe, Brian, that we launched this program in the fall of 2007. So it's been 16 years, and I've not done anything in my life for 16 years. So it's kind of <laughs> amazing that this has kept yeah. my attention. And I think part of it is because to be involved in almost on the ground floor, I was about 10, 10 to 15 years late, but almost on the ground floor of an emerging field of professional practice. So the way it came to be, when I, when I joined the faculty uh, at TC the fall of 2006, a number of my colleagues, many of which you know, Deborah Numair and Karen Block and Victoria mm -hmm. Marsick, were all teaching courses in coaching and various aspects of coaching and had mentioned that they had been working on and wanting to start a professional development program for people who were interested in entering this profession. Uh, so like any good consultant, I hadn't internalized the role of being a faculty yet. I asked, mm -hmm. oh, well, how long have you been thinking of working on this, and what have you done? And they said, like, three years. And I thought to myself, well, if it took me three years to develop anything as a consultant, I would be out of business. So uh, that tells you a little bit about what I had to learn about the cycle time and joining yeah. a corporation. So while I get credited, Brian, for creating the coaching program, really what I was was an integrator and synthesizer because I, I, A, took all the courses that they had, and they had many, the syllabus and the references list and so on. I then did some research um, and about the industry and found out that there were a whole host of, I said, wow, there's a whole profession around this. There, at the time, there were over 40 professional coaching associations that had a thousand members of more. So some of those organizations I know you've heard of, like the International Coaching Federation, which is the largest, but there was you know, the International Authority for Professional Coaches and Mentoring. There's a Center of Credentialing and Education. There, they had a coaching credential, European Mentoring and Coaching Council. I could go on. That's just a handful. So I was really surprised to learn that there were actually professional associations for this emerging field of practice, and all of them had competencies and ethics and training requirements. And so mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. thinking, okay, my colleagues have this. And I use the word training requirements versus education because right. there were a lot of people who were providing coach training at the time, and this was 2006, there were fewer that were providing coach education and training, and particularly at the graduate level. Mm -hmm. And so I could count them on one hand at the time. Georgetown um, University was one of them, and I'm not Georgetown, George Washington University in D.C. 
um, fielding out in California. And so I also discovered that the Columbia Business School um, had many executive education programs, and coaching was a central feature in all of them. And one of their challenges was always finding enough coaches, credentialed, experienced coaches to meet the needs because you know they could have an exec one week executive education program with 50 to 80 participants in it yeah. all getting yeah. coached in a short period of time you, you do the yeah. math you know that they need yeah. a lot of coaches so they decided to uh, partner with us and so we co-sponsor uh, the program and the rest is history it's a one-year graduate level uh, credential in executive and organizational coaching we've we're entering our 30th cohort, uh, so we do wow. cohort, two cohorts a year. We skipped yeah. a couple of years, once because of COVID, another because of a reorganization at TC, but we've done two cohorts a year. We're in our 30th cohort. We've had uh, over 1,700 people go through our front-end one-week intensive of aspect of the program, and we've had over, over um, approaching 800 attend the entire one-year credential from 40 countries and counting. Um, so in, in short, I tried to build on what was already there, and I had wonderful colleagues who had done a lot of work, and then I combined that with what I knew about having worked for consulting firms, building learning interventions fast, uh, but also had high quality. So that's how we came to be, and long story short, that's how we – became recognized, which still sort of tickles me, uh, became recognized as one of the best recognized coaching programs in the world. Yes, yes, absolutely. And as I mentioned, that you you very well know that shortly after I came to Teachers College, uh, one of my colleagues, our, our former colleague, uh, Craig Richards, uh, told me about the program. And when I read about it, heard about it, I said, I'd love to do it, and so I, I signed up, and the rest is kind of history for me. Um, but going back to what I was saying about the, the content, uh, there were so many aspects of your program, and I'm sure you've done much more in development, but that um, was very specific to first uh, having the coach learn a lot about uh, self, and as you know, having taught in the program that I now direct, um, Summer Principals Academy, uh, that one of the cornerstones to being effective as a leader is to know yourself, know thyself. And, and so I, I was completely blown away by the instruments and the assessments that uh, were presented during our training uh, I'm not sure what you do now, but I remember back then, um, I'm sure you'll get a kick out of me uh, talking about this, and I still have the the uh, the micro CDs that you gave us, but when we had to do coaching. Yes, the, mic the micro expressions, right. Yep. Yes, yes, and so we, we, we did those. It was, it was uh, really powerful, um, and, and so um, I'd, I'd love to hear, say a little bit about, how important those aspects of the program are where the coach learns about who they are so that they can teach others? Well, you know, Brian, it's, it's a great question. You know, when people come, as you know, you might recall, during the first day of the program, we ask people, 
what they want to get out of the program in the week. And they'll say, they'll generally list a number of competencies. You know, I want to be a better questioner, a better listener, you know, all those kinds of things. And what we discovered um, based on, is I think one of our contributions was the industry did a wonderful job of identifying what competencies mattered for coaching. And many of them were practitioners, and so, you know, they were building things quickly. And so what we did as a Research One university, as part of our DNA, we took their competencies and reverse engineered them and said, okay, well, questioning didn't come out of nowhere. And so there's research and theories about questioning an instrument. So let's find out what those are. Listening didn't come from anywhere. In fact, there's a whole professional association around uh, listening and we're professors and research. And so we reverse engineered and we, we then also collected the competency models and ethical models from, again, those 40 professional coaching associations that had coaching. And then we content analyzed them and said, well, what do they have in common? And so our nine coaching competencies around those three clusters of co-creating the relationship, making meaning with others, and helping others succeed, three competencies each. Those actually emerged from industry, the people who were providing coach training and also, importantly, the credentials and the standards, and really said, well, what's the stable core? But we took it a step further and reverse engineered it and said, well, what's the evidence that suggests that these are good, and are there assessments? And so we wound up identifying three foundations that matter. So uh, what we call the guiding principles, which you know all coaching professions have ethics, but we added to it this whole notion of focusing on the client's agenda, building commitment through involvement, and earning the right to advance, all grounded in what drives human behavior and motivation. And so the first thing we discovered is part of self as instrument is really understanding what are your taken for granted assumptions about how people learn and grow and even perform. Um, and as you know, a, a good number of those taken for granted assumptions got tested, right, in the program. Yep. Some of them were reinforced, but others were tested. So starting with self matters. And then the next element, so if we think about what coaching is, and if we if we go back literally to about 15 50, you know, the origins of the word coach was really a stagecoach, you know, the four-wheeled covered carriage that took people from one place to another. Now we have taken that term and and added it to coaching. And so if you look at the literal definition of coaching in Webster or something, you'll see things like private tutor and someone who instructs or trains, um, you know, trains people for athletic performance and so on. And, and I, I go off on that tangent to say that coaching, the reason why there's so much confusion, and while many people think they are coaches and already coaches and they know how to coach, because the literal definition simply means carriage, and, and metaphorically it means helping valuable people get from where they are to where they want to be. Yet that's really yeah. broad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so coaching yeah. doesn't mean anything until you modify it, meaning until you put something in front of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you as an educator know that there are math coaches in schools, right? right? There are um, English as a second language coaches. Well, those coaches think about the work of coaching very differently 
than mm -hmm. what the International Coach Federation is talking about or European Coaching and Mentoring Association. It doesn't mean that the teachers are wrong, and it doesn't even mean that the professional coaching associations are right. It means it's simply different. We yeah. elected, so we think about professional coaching when we talk about what ICF does and what other professional associations focus on. And that simply means that you have gone either to an independent coach training organization or a university to get formal training and education, and you've gone through an external body to get that supported uh, by getting you know, certified from them, um, you know, and you adhere to a code of ethics. Yeah. You know, and that's different than my I, – I have gone back to playing saxophone after a break of 30 years. So <laughs> I have a saxophone coach. So what that person does is very different from that type. So, one, coaching doesn't mean anything until you modify it. So we, because we're in the Department of Organization and Leadership at Teachers College, and so we know a lot about leadership and organizations and performance and all of that, and we partner with the business school that knows a lot about leadership and business and so on, it made no sense for us to try to do all kinds of coaching. But right. we were interested in executive, i.e. coaching leaders, and organizational coaching in an organizational context. And so um, that self is, you know, it, it starts with mindset, the assumptions that you have about how people learn, grow, perform, and develop. We call those guiding principles. Then thinking of yourself as an instrument, an instrument to do what? Get valuable people from where they are to where they want to be and what competencies are necessary to do that. And then finally, the contribution that we made is we were surprised at the time when we collected the competency models and, and ethics from the various coaching professions that none of them explicitly described a process. Well, you know, again, coming from business, we have a coaching process. We have, I'm sorry, we have a, a sales process and we have a negotiating process. So. We have an organizational development process. We have processes for everything. So it, right. it, I found it a little interesting that we had ethics and we had competencies that we didn't have a process. So we were one of the first coach education programs that explicitly put the mindset and the competencies into a three-phase coaching process, which we uh. grounded in the science of human performance. Uh. Um, so that's... So, you know, we have people do a lot of assessments. So we start at the individual level, self, and then we move from self to other, which is the client. Mm -hmm. uh, yet because we are interested in organizations and then what's the client's environment, which is usually mm -hmm. their team, their boss, their group, et cetera. So we think of uh, coaching in the context of organizations. Uh, so that's what I'll say about that, and I'm sure you may yeah. have other questions, so we'll, yes, we'll yes. let so, the conversation flow from there. Yes, yes, and um, thank you for sharing that, um, and especially the framework, because I think it's important um, for, for everyone to really understand the kind of intentionality that went into the design. So this is not just let's put some things together and then tell people, that um, they're they're ready to coach, but but it is research based and grounded in human performance uh, research that that is, uh, is 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 sound. Um, I as I mentioned at the beginning that uh, so I learned a lot going through the program, 
and just uh, just finding out details around just even some of the instruments, but mm-hmm. that learning how to listen, learning how to engage uh, with someone. A lot of this is is also very uh, uh, close to the psychology field, and where oh, you course. have to understand what, what how the brain works. Um, how human beings respond to certain kinds of engagement. So, so while I thought, and I, I would imagine that some of the people, because the feedback I got was before I got trained was, "Wow, thank you. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to solve that problem if you hadn't helped me." So, some of it for me was intuitive, uh, just uh, being a fairly decent listener, and I did that. But it was light years ahead when I. Uh, actually got the training so um, and that so it's not to say that people who are doing coaching and and haven't had any formal training don't do uh, uh, a decent job it's just that the 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 world of difference that happens after you really understand uh, the process and so thank you for highlighting that that that, that to me was really evident uh, when I when I went through the program. Well, Brian, one of the things that you said that I think is really important is I do think there – so coaching is, as we know from just the term, coaching means a lot of things to a lot of people in a lot of contexts. And yet I think one of the things that coach education or coach education and training can provide for you is take what you already know how to do and do it more consistently, right, and probably more importantly, more intentionally. Yeah. Right. Because I have to admit that I was coaching even before I started developing the program and, and engaging in the research. And a lot of what I was doing was intuitive. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't bad, but I, it wasn't always consistent. So sometimes I would have engagements with clients and it worked and I thought, fantastic. And then I would have engagements with clients that were a little tough and I said, I have no idea. That didn't go very well and I don't know why. Right. And know so why. I think what the evidence gets at is how to become more intentional in, with your craft and importantly, how to deliver consistent results with the valuable people that you're coaching, who's entrusting mm-hmm. part of their life in mm-hmm. your hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and another thing that I think you touched on is when we think of, I use this word about, you know, modifying coaching. I think one thing that differentiates what I would say is coach training, pure, from coach education and training, is that we are interested in the skills, absolutely certainly and yet we're also interested in the evidence behind the skills and so we we believe very strongly in a practitioner scholar orientation and i i put practitioner first and scholar second intentionally so we're not trying to make people researchers but as you recall they're learning a generalist approach to executive and organizational coaching. But as you remember, we give people access to the Columbia's online library system. Mm-hmm. And one of the requirements is for people to develop their own coaching signature approach to coaching within that broader framework. So mm-hmm. they look at articles and theory and research based on their area of interest. Yes. you know. And so our goal is not 
again, to make them researchers, but to become consumers mm-hmm. of research and evidence so that when they leave us, right, yeah, they can yeah. continue that work. So my dad used to be a fisherman uh, mm-hmm. when he was with us, and he used to have this plaque in our basement where he used to clean the fish. My mom wouldn't let him bring them upstairs uh, <laughs> so to clean the fish. And he had a plaque that said, you know, give the man a fish, he'll eat for a meal. Teach a man how to fish, and they'll eat for a lifetime. So mm-hmm. to me, that's the difference between coach, purely coach training and coach education and training. Mm-hmm. It's marrying mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. practitioner with the scholar, and I would say the art with the science. So I was always intuitive, but I've moved from pure intuition, which is more about gut feel for me, to now strategic intuition, that Mm -hmm. I am now, my intuition is more informed Informed. than it was prior to research. Yeah, yeah, no, that was exactly, no, that, that was exactly what I was thinking as you were talking, uh, was that you, you, you were talking about the, the intuition uh, and trusting your gut, but it went more to inform. That, that, that was that was exactly the word I was thinking about about how you you apply what you've learned. And and uh, you know I, I I'll go back to the various instruments uh, using those and really being able to help people understand them. I'll, I'll give you an example. For me, uh, I remember when I first. Uh, was exposed to StrengthsFinder. I was really fascinated by it, and this was before I did your program, uh, and I ju- just so fascinated by it. And, of course, Gallup had this, uh, this packet of, of materials that's really int- intended for someone who's been through the training. But I was like, oh, I mean, I'm good. I, I, I'm a smart person. I can read this stuff. And so I went and I purchased it and and read all about it, and then started using it. And it just, it was like, oh, this is awesome. And then, of course, uh, made the investment, uh, a sizable investment, to get uh, Gallup trained. And, boy, did I realize, like I said, what I didn't know. And so, um, so I, I'm a real strong, when I, when I run across people, uh, and I have many individuals that have been who have who have uh, hung a shingle and said that I'm a coach um, because they were you know good at business they were good at being a principal or a superintendent and they say I coach people to do the job that I did and I encourage them to go back and and get the kind of coaching um, training and education that I had, I was fortunate enough to get because it makes a world of difference. And it does, and, and for those people who, um, who may have been good at those jobs, does not automatically translate into they're good at helping others be good at that job, at those jobs. And so I just, and and in many ways, when, when we are helping others, when we are helping others based on our experience, what we're often doing, because we have more experience than them, what we're often doing is mentoring, right? And that's a useful yeah. helping profession. It, yeah. it is very useful. You yeah. know, and I think one of the distinctions between pure coaching and pure mentoring, and I say pure for a reason, because 
you know, there's always overlap between what we all have in common is we're all part of the helping profession. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so there's there are distinctions, of course, between coaching and mentoring. There are distinctions, of course, between coaching and facilitating. You know, there's distinctions between coaching and therapy. Yes, yes, yes. And if you look at any of those helping professions side by side, you'll see that there's also overlap between the two. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that's what becomes confusing. And what we want to know is what's the overlap, but what's unique about the work of coaching, and how is that distinct from mentoring? Not and they're both important, but you know how. And so I believe that most people need us a a cabinet, if you will, of support. And coaching is a part of it. Mentoring is a part of it. In today's society, mental health can also be a part of it. And so just kind of knowing what's the range of convenience for coaching, what it can do, but also where you're pushing it beyond what it's designed to do. And the same is true for mentoring or facilitation, et cetera. So I'm less focused on saying that's not coaching and more saying we're all in the helping field and there are overlaps between them. And sometimes I combine coaching and consulting. And I know how to do that. But I've had, but because I was a coach first, I mean a consultant first, I actually had to learn pure coaching to know what was unique about coaching so that I could intentionally integrate the two practices. You know, as an adult educator, we're also facilitators of learning. So I knew how to do that. Yes. And but I then had to again learn pure coaching so that I could combine facilitating with mentoring with consulting and I think that's when we can add maximum value to mm-hmm. the people that we're trying to help is how do we self instrument again how do we expand our range I know that we're probably approaching the end of your show but yes. you mentioned yes. instruments several times so I think yes. it might be useful just to share with your listeners some that I think are particularly helpful for people who are interested in coaching one is a kind of a, a brain inventory it could be we use the netling Neatling Brain Inventory, the MBI, but there's a Herman uh, Miller Brain Dominance Inventory. They all come from the same empirical basis. But Mm -hmm. the reason why thinking thinking style was really important from a brain instrument is that's something that we all have in common. We all have a brain. We all have thinking preferences. And to understand the variations of how, how humans come to the same situation with different ways of thinking about it is incredibly important in being able to co-create uh, a powerful relationship. So I think thinking styles allows us to learn a lot about ourselves. It allows us to learn a lot about others. And importantly, how we as coaches can flex because mm-hmm. we can recognize different thinking styles. And I could get there from intuition, but I can get the client there faster if I can adapt my thinking style or approach to their thinking style and have them expand to there. So I think personality assessments are another, like the Hogan, Myers-Briggs. Again, I don't, I'm not married to one particular type, but the class of personality assessments I think are really important because unlike thinking styles, which can change based on experiences and the intensity of the experiences and change over time, our personality is more anchored, um, and it doesn't change that much. And so yes. Yes. knowing 
a client's personality, what's stable versus what's malleable, is really important. Yeah. Uh, well, because yeah. personality things, we have to help them develop patches for. Uh, versus things that can develop and grow, then we can help them do that. Uh, so I think personality assessments are very helpful. Um, assessments around value assessment, because at the core, uh, so I like uh, values, um, a value card sort, but there are many others. And so what's important there is our values. You know, coaching, again, if you're saying helping value people get from where they are to where they want to be, by definition that means to move uh, mm-hmm. and the root of motivation means to move and and our motivation is generally grounded in our values um, mm-hmm. and so understanding a client's values helps them understand when there's value conflict within themselves <laughs> uh, they have competing values or competing commitments or when there's value conflict among others and how to sort out what values do we have in common and how can we use those values that we have in common to bridge the values that we have that are different? And so it, I think, and then, you know, at a group level, I think emotional and social and cultural intelligence are important. So having emotional intelligence assessments, uh, you know, the Bellman team uh, is kind of a, a social intelligence and then various cultural assessments. So there's a, those are sort of categories of assessment. And, you know, you don't go out and, as you know, you don't go out and learn them all at once. <laughs> yes, you learn right. one, apply it to your practice, you learn another. And I always get assessment training almost based on something that my clients are dealing with that I don't have the tools to really help them with and then get certified in that then because then I can apply it immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and, and the very last thing I want to say, just going back to uh, um, why different, why being clear about your industry. So some, I hear numbers batted around. Coaching is a two billion dollar industry, two point four billion dollar industry, seven billion dollar industry around the world. Most of those numbers are incorrect. Uh, so, for example, when we look at the spending on the business coaching market in the U.S. So business coaching includes executive and organizational coaching. It also includes development kinds of programs and so on, uh, specifically toward leaders. That's a That was a $12 billion industry in 2022. Mm-hmm. Wow. And yet there's data by some professional organizations saying coaching is a $10 billion industry worldwide. Mm-mm. So that's yeah. because of the that's because of the conceptual confusion. You uh, do, you can't look at the market of coaching until you modify what market mm-hmm. of coaching are you talking about. So a lot right. of times they're quoting segments of the market, not the entire market. And notice that I said twelve billion in the U.S. I didn't say globally. Globally, yes, yes, absolutely. And in, and, and in some cases, I know it goes beyond what we're going to talk about today, but uh, just the, the idea of, of coaching uh, is something that is growing in popularity uh, and that a lot of people still um, haven't caught on to the fact that it is, it's useful for people in leadership roles. I know uh, I've worked with a number of boards, and some of them are 
private and public boards, but where um, I've had to explain to board members why a coach is appropriate for their CEO or their, their organization leader when, when some people just kind of believe that, um, you know, if you're the leader, you should already know what you're doing and, and just trying to explain. And, 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 and the, but there's, there's, there's a number of people who um, are, are coming around to the idea that coaching is a good idea. So, so let, let's double click on that for a moment. So in yeah. that example that you used, um, coaching a, a board member, right? So if I'm coaching a board member, that would be executive coaching, right? That right. I am right. coaching a leader uh, or a board is saying, a board may be suggesting to coach either a board member or to coach the CEO who reports to the board, whatever it is. But it's really coaching a leader. And so what you need there is you need a professional coach to do that, right? And, and, and this kind of training, I think, and education can help you get there. You know, however, there, there is coaching. And so I got my first exposure to coaching was not from the coaching profession. It was when I got my first sales supervisor, sales manager job. So this was 1986. Um, and we, our sales management training included performance coaching and counseling. Mm. And so mm. part of my job as a sales manager was know the difference between when I was in the role of coach, which was really about developing my, my salespeople going on calls with them, observing them. It's almost what an athletic coach would do to help mm -hmm. them get better at what they did. And by the way, the organization expected me to do that. And they distinguished that from counseling, which says this isn't, when you're counseling, it's not about growth. There is a gap either in behavior, so there's some behaviors that are unacceptable, and so you have to be very clear that this is not negotiable, this is actually a requirement. <laughs> uh, and so counseling was very different than coaching, but guess what? I had to do them all, but to say without modifying it. So as a sales manager, I wasn't a coach. I was a sales manager. And as part of my job as sales manager, I got trained to do sales coaching and, and, and sales and counseling. And by the way, a professional coach could not do that job. Hmm. And, and hmm. so you see where we use this umbrella term, coaching, for everything. And what you know is there's an old adage in marketing, if we try to be all things to all people, we're relevant to few. Right. That's right. And That's so right. I, what I employ people to really think about is what type of coaching are you doing? For example, we had a graduate. So we... I have a client, I won't mention their name, but I have a client who's in the financial services industry. And the person who's in charge of their sales uh, training and leadership development function went through our coaching program years ago. And a few years back, she called me and said, you know, we got this feedback from our financial, from the market, from our financial advisors, which in summary basically said, our financial advisors are amazing when it comes to technical functional skills. They know the various financial instruments and, and the coaches that they were, excuse me, the clients they were giving advice to actually got results. Mm. Good news story. The executives found, thought that was amazing. 
But when the clients talked about what they wanted more of, they said things like, I really wish the, the advisor knew more about me. I really wish the advisor knew what's really important, like why I really care about these financial results. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so what we've done for that company is they had great, they have great technical functional skills. They actually even had great sales skills. But what they didn't know how to do is that that deep human element. Yeah. And so we combined coaching with financial advisory to create a new way of thinking. So it's not a pure advisory program. It's not a pure coaching program. But And we're able to actually gather data about the performance of people who are going through the program. We can get their baseline levels. We've separated high performers from others, like their top 25% advisors, even before they went to the program and others. So we know the difference, the performance difference before people even take the advisory program. And then what's the delta afterwards, six months, a year after, et cetera. And we can compare what we know about performance levels over the same period for people who went through the program versus people who haven't. So what we're now able to do based on performance is we're able to def- – so we have something called the coaching mindset index that they take, for example. Well, we were able to discover, because we had that performance data, we were able to discover that the high performers had a unique assumption there was one mindset, so it's about push and pull. So they, they pulled throughout the entire advisory process except when it came to solutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. by the time they got to solutions, they had earned the right to have an opinion and to push the client and to challenge the client. And so the client knew that they had their best interests at heart. And those people did that more, had higher um, pull strategies for solutions than their other performing counterparts. So now, as a person who's helping them, I'm not just assuming that all mindsets are created equal. Now, if I took that to a different industry, there may be different mindset combinations that make more of a difference. So. Where we the gap we have in professional coaching right now, and that also drives our education and our credentialing, is that most of the competencies were developed for coaches by coaches. Mm-hmm. What we don't know, because we haven't done any what we call cri- criteria reference studies. What I'm doing at Equitable is one of the first ones, but that's that's actually a blended model, not a pure model. But yeah. we don't really know what outcomes. Uh, actually are related to certain competencies um, mm-hmm. because we don't really have performance metrics for professional coaching. So that's yeah. where I think the field is is growing. Mm-hmm. As you can see, I can talk about this stuff forever. Yes, yes. No, I, I'm loving it. I, You know, we we are already almost at 45 minutes, and um, I'm, I'm loving every minute of it, and I know people are, are too that are listening in. Um, so I, I I wish we had longer. I really do. This has been so helpful and enlightening, and and I'm, I'm sure that I'm going to get a lot of emails and calls that uh, will say, "Why didn't you guys just keep going?" <laughs> 
Um, well, we, we can come back at some future yes, date if people yes, are interested. Absolutely. absolutely. And so, uh, hands down, without qualification, those that are listening know that I recommend this program uh, for individuals that are serious about um, the learning the, the skills necessary to be a very effective uh, coach, uh, executive coach. And, and, um, and so uh, what I want to do, Terry, is give you an opportunity to, uh, to tell people where to find you. Uh, I know you have a book or two out. And so please um, tell people how to get in touch with you and where, where to follow you. Sure. So, um, so my email, which also gets overloaded, but I'll give you the email just in case, but I'll give you a better way to contact me. But my email is my last name, which is Maltbia, M-A-L-T-B-I-A, at T-C, dot Columbia, dot E-D-U. If you actually do a Google search with my full name, Terrence, T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E, middle initial E, Maltbia, M-A-L-T-B-I-A, and LinkedIn. So if you put all that in a Google search, it'll take you right to my LinkedIn profile. And uh, there you can just send me a direct message, and you can learn more about that. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so I do posts and articles and so on so you can find out there and you can certainly find out about if you wanted to learn more about our coaching program you can google search the columbia coaching certification program again google and it'll take you right to our website and you can learn more we do information sessions uh virtually so you can learn uh, more about it that way but again the easiest way to contact me is generally through linkedin because it won't get lost in my <laughs> black box of email uh, and if you send me a direct message through linkedin we can communicate uh, and figure out the best way of connecting that way so brian it's been fun i'll certainly see yes. you around the ranch yes absolutely uh, when... absolutely i'll see you in a few weeks actually as you know uh for for the second half of the summer uh, for Spa New York, um, this has been so. Like I said, it was enlightening for me, and I, you know, I, we we have our powwows all the time. So I I thank you, and I'm sure there are a lot of people listening. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, to to share. Um, and so, um, as I said, I'll see you later in the summer. Um, until then, go well, stay well, my friend. You're welcome. Again, thank you, Brian. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, as always. And for those of you who are listening, you too can be a coach.